The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is the division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. The Big Apple is known as the financial capital of the United States, but that doesn't exactly make it a good place to do business, especially if you're in the mortgage industry. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director of the Mortgage News Network, and today I'm joined by Stephen Milner, founder and CEO of U.S. Mortgage Corp. Hi, Steve. Hello, Christine. How are you? Good. So you're a New Yorker. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Many, many, for many, many years. Many, many years. So what makes New York so unfriendly to do business in? Um, well, it's uh, a number as far as from a mortgage banking standpoint, it's um, it is quite challenging uh, to for loan officers to become licensed as a mortgage loan originator. The process is very long. And the banking department, uh, the Department of Financial Services, the DFS, as it as it is known, uh, recognizes that. But the process is is is, is quite challenging. Moreover, uh, the more difficult process is for a current independent mortgage banker who may be licensed in many other states to obtain their state specific New York state specific mortgage banker's license. As far as that. As far as those two issues are concerned, is it a time frame? So is it is it does it take it takes more time to become yes well, an officer? But then also, what is the difference between being an independent mortgage banker in another state and then trying to get a license in New very York? Good, very good question. Um, and the reason I can answer that is because I am personally licensed as a mortgage loan originator uh, in every single state. I had to take fifty one tests to do that. Uh, from 2008 into 2010, after the SAFE Act was passed in 2008, requiring loan officers to become licensed. And as U.S. mortgage expanded throughout the country, we had to become licensed as a corporation by every state-specific banking department. So I was able to first, at first-hand experience what other states, the process that other states um, are required to become licensed. And some states take 30 days, some states some states take 60 days is what I experienced, not only as a loan officer, but as a, as a, um, to become a licensed mortgage entity, uh, within that state. And, um, New York takes anywhere, quite frankly, from four to five months to become licensed as a loan officer sometimes, sometimes six months, um, depending on their process. And the same is applicable to, uh, companies who want to become licensed as an independent mortgage banker within New York. Um, and there, as I said, there are many companies that are licensed in every state, but they just avoid for different reasons to 
pursue becoming licensed as an independent mortgage banker in New York because it just it just takes too long. And I have a good relationship with the Department of Financial Services and the people that work there, but it's just their process, which makes it somewhat challenging. Uh, so, on the bad way, it's just their process, you know, and it can be frustrating. So most of the disclaimers on our advertising say that they do business everywhere except for New York. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess, how do you get a mortgage if you live in New York or or does it make the process take longer? Well, if you're working for a mortgage company as a loan officer, for example, mm-hmm. you're talking from a loan officer standpoint or a consumer standpoint. As a consumer, you have to go... I, I assume you're asking that question from the consumer point of view. Well, from the consumer point of view, but also, yeah, I'm interested loan in the officer, yeah, so, point of view. Gotcha. So from a consumer point of view, um, a consumer would have to... Uh, go to an independent mortgage banker or a depository bank, which does not require the same license, have the same licensing requirements. Um, and but six, since sixty to seventy percent of all loans originate in the United States are performed are originated by independent mortgage bankers. By the way, uh, for a consumer to become to obtain a loan, a mortgage loan in New York State, they would have to seek an independent mortgage banker who's licensed in New York. Otherwise, if they are not licensed, then that mortgage banker cannot process and underwrite and close a New York state, a loan on a New York state property. Um, But, you know, that's, you know, in my particular case, I opened the company in 1994 and then it took me about two and a half years. I think I was one of the first mortgage brokers who was approved as a mortgage banker in New York State. And it, at that time, it took me about two and a half years to get approved, fully approved by the New York State Banking Department at the time to become a licensed um, New York State mortgage banker. So a consumer would have to, when they're looking to either do a refinance or to take out a loan to purchase a home, they have to deal directly with a mortgage company that is licensed in New York. Otherwise, they can't get a loan unless they find that company. And there's a lot of mortgage companies in New York that are licensed, but many many companies that are licensed in every other state and who, ha- who, um, who's, who may speak to a consumer who's looking for a mortgage loan in New York state would not be able to provide that. Wow. Now, as far as a loan from a loan officer perspective, if a, if a loan officer is has relationships with people in the, in New York State, such as realtors or attorneys or financial planners or financial advisors or whoever they receive their uh, referral business from, then they cannot do business in New York State if they're not li- if if they're not li- if they're not licensed. The company has to be licensed now. Um, they can't even get licensed unless the company is licensed. So if the company is not licensed, um, they cannot really work for a company. They could probably get their license as a New York state, uh, license in New York state, but they can't conduct any business if the company is not licensed. Is there a solution to this? I mean, is it a legislative solution? Are there people looking at this and saying, no, I've been living it. You know, I'm in the business 42 years now, and I've been living it 
you know, for a long, long time, and there's really no solution. We both have had many meetings with the, the, the Department of Financial Services to improve their process and the time frame in which to get approved, uh, either as a loan officer as or as a independent mortgage banker. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, um, one of the things that I was personally involved in, I'm very involved with the National Mortgage Bankers Association, and one of the things we imposed uh, upon uh, uh, licensing requirements was that uh, I was on a committee that um, created what is known as temporary authority. Temporary authority means that once a loan officer is licensed in a particular state, um, then they can apply and they wish to do business in a state that they're not licensed in. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, prior to the passage of this legislation, which was about, I think, four or five years ago, uh, prior to that, the passage of that legislation, they would have to, uh, they could not um, originate the loan. The loan officers could not originate the loan unless they were fully approved by the banking department and their company was approved by the banking department. So they could not perform that uh they cannot originate that loan. Now, if the company was approved in, the, in that particular state, but the loan officer was not in the past, up until five years ago, the loan officer could not originate that loan until they were approved. And they would have to go through the state-specific uh, licensing process, which varies from state to state. It could be 30 days. It could be 60 days. It could be 90 days. Connecticut is one of the fastest states. They take 10 to 15 days. Wisconsin takes, I think, eight to 12 days for a loan officer to become licensed. Um, and I know that for a fact because we have loan officers all over the country and we, we encourage loan officers to, to become licensed as mortgage loan originators in, in as many states as they wish. Now, with temporary authority, when that was passed, when that allowed loan officers to do business, all they had to do was apply for temporary authority within the state. And within 10 days, the state would issue uh, a temporary, what's called temporary authority to do business in that state without having to be officially licensed. They still have to send in their application and become licensed officially, but they can still conduct business prior to receiving their official mortgage loan originator license. Um, And that's called TA, temporary authority. So what I recommend very often to people is that uh, in accordance with temporary authority, if you are a new loan officer, for example, you would go through the testing and the education process and then submit your application to either Wisconsin or the Connecticut Banking Department. And within 10 or 15 days, you would receive your MLO license, even though you may not be doing want to do business in that state. Right. But with TA, as it's called, if you wait 30 days, not 29 days, <laughs> if you wait 30 or 31 days, that is what I advocate, You then you can send in your, if you wait 31 days, 30 days after you've approved by either, you know, by another state, in this case, Connecticut and Wisconsin, then you submit, you apply for temporary authority. And if, that would even apply in New York. So if someone... Is a new loan officer and they were approved in another state or they've been doing business in another state for at least 30 days, they can then make application to New York 
in this example, or any other state, and within 10 or 15 days, you would receive uh, temporary authority to do business. But it still would take the normal state-specific processing time to get your license. So in New York, it would still take four to six months after that to obtain your MLO license. But at but least the company, you But the company still has to be licensed in that state, though. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. Right. Yeah, that's that's complicated. And you guys also had some other stuff going on in New York, too. Um Surrounding the issue of foreclosures. Okay, good point. Yes. Um, so, so ha- what has been going on with that? New York is a, a judicial state, and uh, there are many, many issues of which I'm personally involved as well. Uh, I think I may have mentioned that I was on the. Uh, I was two years ago. I was the past president of the New York MBA, and I'm very involved and I try to stay attuned to all the legislative issues on a national level and on a local level, on, on, a, on a state specific level. And specifically with New York, as it relates to the foreclosure issues, uh, it takes a good three, a good four to, I would say, an, an average of at least four to eight years for the foreclosure process in New York to be completed. Um, wow, that, that's and, a long time. And I have a, uh, and I, I always share the following story that I originated alone in 2006 uh, for a borrower in Long, on Long Island. And they have not made a mortgage payment since I originated the loan. Wow. Um, they actually committed fraud, occupancy fraud, it turned down. But they still live in the house. They have not made a mortgage payment because they're respectfully there are many. The judicial system is such that a a well informed attorney could defend the foreclosure uh, process in many different ways, delaying the process as <laughs> opposed to Georgia, for example, thirty days. Foreclosure process is completed. New York, it's years and years and years. And that's and that discourages a lot of mortgage bankers who service loans in New York from servicing from continuing to do that. We still service loans in New York, you know, and there are loans that uh if the you know, if the loans aren't performing, we have to go through through the foreclosure process, but it's an arduous you know, it's a long process. So what's going to happen? I mean, delinquencies obviously are creeping back up. You know, people have been talking about a recession for a long time. So, um, you know, what's going to happen in the next few months here? Well, that, that's a debate that many, that I have with many people and, you know, we're still in a highly inflationary environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, the objective of the federal reserve is to curtail that inflation, which is why they're raising rates. The demand still increases, is exceeding supply. That means that an unemployment is still at 3%, which ideally it should be between 5 to 6%. Inflation is at 
Federal Reserve is raising rates to get it down to the target rate of 2%. And that's why rates are continuously rising um, because they want to curtail the demand, right? If rates go up, then people, then uh, um, people will spend less, forcing prices to come down. So as far as housing is concerned, Christine, um, I think that'll have the same effect probably by the end of the first quarter of 2023 is what I project, that we will, inflation will be under control and will approach the 2% ideal benchmark for inflation at that time. And if that happens, in my opinion, and as I tell everybody, if I knew which way rates were going, I would not have to work for a living. But that happens, and I think instead of seeing a seller's market as we have now, we will enter into a buyer's market, which means that um, prices will come down. So consequently, in respect to your question, if prices come down, then many people who were provided with uh, government loans at high loan-to-values at between 95 to 100% loan-to-value, uh, they may not have the willingness to make their payments if value comes down. Okay. Sometimes the willingness to make a payment, a mortgage, to continue to make timely mortgage payments is a function of um, the equity the equity that they, a person has in the property, right? Right. I think you, I think you would understand and, that. So and and that, right now, there's, there's a lot of equity out there. A lot of equity. But if it becomes a buyer's market, correct, and prices come down, Mm-hmm. you may see an impact to what's called loan performance, which means that many borrowers may not make their expected p- payments on time. And that could cause issues. And now in New York, if that's the case, then getting back to the foreclosure issue, that could impact many servicers of loans, uh, as myself, we service a lot of loans, uh, who... Uh, may pull out of the FHA market. Okay. FHA loans, for example, are made at very high loan to values, like 96.5% and so on, where the borrower has to put 3.5% down. But if values come down, the value of their property uh, may be less than the balance of the loan That's at some point. And that could cause a decrease in their willingness to make their payments. But you found- you sound optimistic, though, right? I mean, you sound optimistic that the that the market is going to to bounce back here. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've seen every cycle since 1980, you know, and I've seen all the different cycles throughout the uh, in in the marketplace, you know, and people forget that in 1980 during the uh, Carter administration and then the Reagan administration, interest rates in a 30 year fix. I don't know if you know that, but in 1980, I was originating loans at 21%, 30-year fixed. And today, it's 55 to 6%. People still complaining that it's too high, which, you know, and I granted last year it was 25 to 3%. I understand. And it's gone up. It's doubled, literally, more than doubled in a year. But throughout the whole decade, until 1992, interest rates were at double digits. We really didn't hit single digits, I think, 9.99% until like 19... 90, 91. Okay. And they started to come down, you know. Uh, well, it's not about the rate, right? I mean, it's about the the monthly payment that people are going to make. Yeah, it's a monthly payment, you know, and um, and I just feel that uh, 
I've seen these cycles before, and I still feel that people will embrace the continue to embrace the fulfillment of the American dream of home ownership as they did in the 80s when rates were 13, 14, 15, 16 percent. You know, uh, ask your parents what when, if they bought a house, you know, ask what, what was their interest rate if they bought a house in the 80s? Probably 13 percent. I think they bought yeah, it. There you go. And, yeah. and, and and I think that, you know, that's that's what. You know, I've always felt that. You know, and part of our mission is that we, I'm a belief, our firm belief is that everyone deserves to have a roof over their head. Not everyone deserves a mortgage, though. Let me be clear on that. You know, <laughs> I'm the first to say no, you know, and uh, I believe if if the Treasury Department, including Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, had that philosophy in the late late 90s, early 2000s, before these the subprime products came out, mm-hmm. that we would not have had the Great Recession. A borrower must be able to demonstrate the ability to repay and the willingness to repay. And if they cannot, then they should not be given a loan. It's as simple as that. Um, and I just think that we will come out of this cycle like, like we've done in the past. I think rates will, rates will stabilize at some point. It'll become a buyer's market and prices will come down, though, on, 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 on properties, I believe, which will cause the buyer's market to, to occur. In my in my opinion. Well, thank you so much for your insight today. I appreciate it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, one who recently as this month are now able to do business in New York. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here are your headlines for today, September 16th. The competition between the nation's largest lenders to give homeowners a break continues. Detroit-based Rocket Mortgage, the nation's largest mortgage lender, today launched Inflation Buster, a program that reduces homeowners' monthly mortgage payments by one percentage point for the first year of their loan. In other news, the tables are starting to turn in favor of buyers, but rising mortgage rates are making it hard on them and sellers. According to Redfin, the housing market is becoming more balanced, but at a great cost to both buyers who are footing the bill of high monthly mortgage payments and to sellers whose stronghold on the market has slipped away as mortgage rates doubled this year. Finally, a new report from Redfin shows that nearly one third of U.S. home purchases were paid in all cash in July, That's edging near the eight-year record set in February this year and up from 27.5% a year earlier. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.